Hello, everybody. This is Anna and Brian from Amara World Podcast. And today we have our next guest for Web3 and Blockchain episode, Stuart Worrell, who is the president of Prasaga Foundations. Um, hi, Stuart. How are you? Hey, uh, I'm fine. Hi, Brian, as well. Uh, can you give like a small introduction to yourself and your background for our listeners? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I'm Stuart Worrell. And I'm currently president of uh, Prasaka Foundation, uh, which is a layer one blockchain. And we're just about to um, go into testnet on that. And we're fully Web3 compatible on it. Um, I'm in charge of um, collabs and uh, development of studios around the world. And we will be looking for bright new minds who are coming along uh, that want to develop on our blockchain. So uh, that's the intro to where I am at the moment. Um, let me tell you a little bit about how I got here because uh, people want to know what I've done, how I've been there, and so on. And uh, what really happened is I just returned from several years of working in Shanghai, China, and I saw an old colleague that I hadn't seen for maybe 15 years. Uh, he was focusing on IoT for smart cities, which were being pushed as the next technology uh, wave in China and other parts of Asia. And I contacted him because he was posting on uh, LinkedIn pictures of China and various contacts. And I've been working with the Chinese government and a number of other officials on different projects. And so I had the ins to that. And um, one of the problems that once we connected, um, the problems that we saw was that the Chinese um, had um, in front of them was to silo all of the data they were collecting from these proposed smart cities, and it wouldn't be accessible to others, and especially not the people who were actually owning it. So what does that really mean? It meant that there was a lot of data going to be collected that no one was going to use. Uh, so when people are leaving their homes, you could tell when they were switching the lights off in the kitchen, locking their front door, uh, but they weren't passing that information to say, the highways department, which was going to have to accelerate the operation of traffic lights to keep the traffic moving, um, or the railway bureau to make sure that the, the trains were there and things like that. So what's good of data if it's not accessible? And the second thing that happened is that we started looking at if we could get all that data, and we were talking to a number of Chinese real estate developers that were doing 4,000, 10,000, 12,000 homes at a time, is that how would you provide the interoperability between all of the people in a smart city uh, with all of that data flowing backwards and forwards? Like, what is the acidity in your washing machine? Are you putting in really dirty water into the drain? Can we charge you more for that? Um, and what we found that there really wasn't anything that was capable of doing that. And we looked at all of the blockchains that were out there at the time, and we said, no, this isn't going to work. So being 
from a boomer background, uh, which has given away my age a little bit, uh, we decided to do things the old way. We decided to build something uh, from scratch. And so about three years ago, we started uh, building this layer one blockchain. And we realized that the approach that the other blockchains had didn't allow for scaling, didn't allow for speed. There was always this trilemma that was going on. And we decided we would use our collective brains and we actually more or less solved it. Um, so it's going to be quite interesting when we when we look at that. So, yeah, it, it sounds like a grand scale of a problem that you're you're trying to tackle. So well, what is the sort of the state of the, the blockchain right now? Um, well, yeah, tell us a bit more about it. Well, uh, I, I'm not going to go uh, too much into it. Um, but I, I will say one thing is we did not fork off of anyone else's blockchain, unlike a lot of people out there. Uh, we started from a piece of paper and a pencil, and we started coding. Um, well, actually, we did design first. I, otherwise, the purists are going to come back at me on that one. But uh, no, we started from scratch, and we wanted to make it open source. Uh, we wanted to address all of the issues that we saw with the other blockchains, namely speed and um, handling the data and things like that. And it's been an extremely complex task far more complex than we thought it would be because as you get into it you keep uncovering yet another layer of uh, problem to address a capability and what we're trying to do is we're trying to address and we have addressed enterprise and the reason that enterprise has not taken up uh, its use of blockchain very much is because of the uh, way that current blockchains, layer ones, are having to use layer twos to try and get the um, interoperability between them and to make them useful for um, enterprise to use. I actually was curious about, um, was it like the first project you got involved uh, in like blockchain um, field or you advised to some startups before? How, how did you get involved into blockchain? Well, <laughs> that was through that connection, um, and we started talking about IoT, and uh, at the time, people were just getting into blockchain. It looked very exciting. It looked as though it could handle a number of things by providing provenance to uh, data, and it, it looked as though it was the wave of the future. So everyone went out, and they raised money on blockchain. Um, Blockchain is basically a distributed ledger. And I've been around in enough years to have collected the stripes and the stars for dealing with programming languages and uh, running large projects, developing large software, um, very complex software uh, for IBM, uh, Equitable Life, all sorts of people. And I, I'm not the world's greatest programmer by any means. And I, I I hope I never have to do any coding ever again. But um, that it, it just kind of stumbled into me. Um, technology comes along and you get 
involved at the beginning and you become an expert in it. And 20 years from now, there's probably going to be a, necess- a necessity to take an exam and get letters after your name in blockchain or something like that. Um, someone will come up with a, a methodology to make it harder than it really is. But um, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to um, in, provide the enabling infrastructure that applications can be developed on top of because blockchain in in and of itself does not solve any real problems. It solves provenance and that's about it. It's distributed, big deal. You know, so is an Oracle database. Um, you know, so people, they say, you know, we come into these uh, meetings that we have and, oh, we've got a blockchain like yours. And it's like, yeah, okay. What problem are you trying to solve? You know, what's your application? And so we get into the venture studio world, uh, which we're building at the moment. And um, I, I'm really going to um, blow this one um, up a little bit because what I want to do is I want to have developers that are going to develop applications. And uh, we're using a modified Python language or we've taken python which i think 95 percent of the world's programmers at some point have touched played with and seen and you can build the apps very very quickly and one of the things that is unique about our chain is the fact that we are not using smart contracts we're using smart assets so everything that's on the chain is an asset. And that means that if we are in a supply chain and I want to order from Brian and I want to order from you, Anna, and the, Anna's supplying windshield wipers and windscreen wipers, I'm going to be bilingual here with American and English, and Brian is supplying a gearbox fully assembled, then each of you, I would be able to get onto your system. I would be able to get 10,000 gearboxes. It would decrement your uh, available stock. It would move it into my system. The accounting system would pay you for it, and that would all be more or less instant. In the meanwhile, I'm getting 10,000 wiper blades from Anna, and it's doing exactly the same thing from Anna. So on my system, I'm showing that those 10,000 gearboxes and 10,000 wiper blades, for example, are now in my system. And each one of those has got a unique identification number. So five years down the road, and there's a road safety recall uh, because the wipers failed, the gearbox is locked up, and General Motors wants to know who were the suppliers, that each of those cars that were being recalled would have a unique number, an underneath unique number, um, and it would be a 64-digit or or maybe more, would be all the assemblies. So it would have gearboxes and windshields or windscreens, 
doors, door handles, everything that you could have in a car. So I could track back to where it came from. And I say, oh, it was the gearboxes that caused this to lock up. So Brian now gets on his system and he would look who supplied those gearboxes because the gearboxes comprise of gears, it comprises oil, it seals, it was assembled. So you'd be able to go back in your system and it would have unique identifying numbers in there. And you could drill down through your system and say, that was Pete's garage down there that put the oil seals in that have failed. And we could go back to Pete and he would say, well, I got those from, and then we find the source of the problem. And similarly, you know, with windshield wipers, why are they not lasting as long? Well, we find out that the rubber that was supplied to them to make the mix was substandard. And we can get down to that level. And this is all stored on the blockchain. So what it does is it opens up a methodology for enterprise to have its supply chain all connected. And the unique numbering system goes all the way through, right to your suppliers and uh, Anna and your supplier, Brian. And it's totally different from um, a smart contract, which would not be able to handle this type of information in a, in a very efficient way. Now, to make it easy for anyone to, to follow that, let's imagine we're going to use a supermarket analogy. See if this makes sense. We go shopping. We buy some fish. We buy some meat. And we buy some other groceries. Now, with smart, smart contracts, I would have to go to cashier number one, which has the deals with fish. And that once it doesn't matter if the other cashiers were empty because the cashier is, lane one is fish, lane two is meat, lane three is groceries. So I'd have to queue up in lane one. And then that would get rung up, and then I have to go to lane two to deal with my meat. Then lane three to deal with my groceries. And then I'd have to go to another one to prove that I paid for one, two, and three, and out it goes. Whereas with a smart asset, what you're doing is you could go to cashier number one or two or three or four, whoever's got the shortest line, and you could be processed all the way through, just like you're in a supermarket now, and it tallies exactly what you've spent, and you get a bill at the end of it, so you know how much you've spent. The supermarket knows how many cans of pineapple you've bought, how many pounds or kilos of meat, uh, pounds of meat for the Americans, and so on and so forth. So there's a different approach on how you do things. And what we've seen with smart contracts is that you can get tremendous cues. And people say, well, look, um, I've got this stake here. I'm willing to pay $52 for it. If I can move to the head of the line, boom, you move to the head of the line. And that's what smart contracts do. And that's why the the charges are so obscene, I think, in certain cases. Whereas what we can do is we can handle it any one of those tills and say, yeah, bring it all in. And you can go to the shortest line. And there will be a methodology if we want to allow people to jump the queue. You know, maybe we'll allow that. But generally, it shouldn't be necessary. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. 
Perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, pick on that a little bit more. Is um, so you know the way you designed the the blockchain is quite different from all of the, I guess, traditional blockchains out there, which are more currency based. Do you feel like how do you feel that has influenced the the kind of, I guess, a developer ecosystem that's built around that? Does it appeal to your sort of target audience because you're targeting more sort of logistics supply chains do you find that they it's easier for them to adopt the solutions because you've built it uh, designed it this way enterprise has been asking what can we do with blockchain we need to be able to use blockchain to trace things back a good example did you see the um i think a few days ago aircraft that the side of it blew out no, I, I didn't. You didn't see that? It was a, a flight from, uh, I believe, Oregon down to um, Southern California. And it was a brand, relatively new plane. I think it's six weeks old. And in it was Alaska Airlines, and they have 179 seats. And the aircraft is designed to take up to 193 seats. So the exit doors are there, but the way they configured the seats, um, they didn't need an exit door. So they put in what they call a door plug, which it fits into the door ho- opening, but it doesn't function as a door. Well, apparently the seal on that gave or, or failed and it blew out. And so the oxygen mass. Uh, dropped down. Uh, a woman had to hold on to a kid to stop it being sucked out through the, the hole in the side of the fuselage. Uh, one guy's shirt was ripped off and so on. Um, now, an aircraft uh, doing something like that, that's fairly major. Um, the airlines now have to trace what failed. A lot of it is going to be going through bits of paper because they don't have a blockchain to keep all that information on. Whereas they could, in 30 seconds, drill down and say, hey, Brian, you supplied the seals for this. Um, what went wrong here? And you'd be panicking and you'd be tapping away at that keyboard saying, hold on, let me see who supplied me with the rubber for those seals that went into it. And you'd be going and you'd be checking the specs and you'd be checking this and checking that. And it could be done in a matter of days, whereas it's going to take probably months to to go through this. So, yes, we are taking a different approach to what everyone else is taking. But are we walking away from DeFi? No, we can still do DeFi on there. Uh, We can do it a lot faster. Um, We may not be the fastest when it comes to DeFi, uh, but that's not just the only market we're looking at. We're looking at enterprise. But we want to put uh, enterprise customers on there because they will have a lot of the um, need for this system. But the idea is that we're going to extend it out and try and make it usable by everyone in the world. So we've got to build the right um, user interfaces. We've got to build the applications that make one people want to use it and 
our success will come when people don't know they're using blockchain, but they're actually using it. And do you have any kind of advice to those who want to create their own blockchain-based project? Um, if they're thinking about writing another blockchain, I'd say don't. It is so complex, you would not believe it. Um, if they're going to write applications on the blockchain, um, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to make themselves very, very, very rich. Um, I'd say the best thing you can do is to look at something and ask yourself, what problem are you solving? Because if you're just coming up with a great technical solution, it's not solving the problem. Start with what is the problem that people are going to say, oh my God, I wish I'd have thought of that. Very good advice. And I think when when sometimes when you think about blockchain, the way a lot of critics describe it is sort of a, a solution looking for a problem, uh, sort of on, on that sort of spectrum. Um, but, you know, having been working in blockchain for so long, have you seen and do you have any examples of projects that are that you think is you personally think is very interesting or is solving a really interesting problem out there, whether it be from your blockchain or somewhere else? Absolutely, absolutely. And let me give you a simple example. Um, animals, dogs, cats uh, are usually chip. Certainly in the United States, there's a move to get them chipped. I believe here in England, where I am at the moment, uh, there's a move to get animals chipped. Uh, and by chipped, I mean microchipped, injected just under their skin. What if you put that in an application and every animal and every chip, because those chips are unique identifiers, put them on blockchain? We have someone doing that right now. And so... No pet should ever get lost. We should always be able to find the owner. Now, the owner may have purposely got rid of the pet, and that's a whole different matter to solve. But, um, you know, I'd like to see a forever uh, that helps the pets, for example. And we have got that being developed at the moment. Um, we were talking to the military about uh, the dogs in the military as well. Um, but that that's so far down on the list of funding. I think they're, they're more interested in funding Ukraine bombs at the moment than they are anything else. So, uh, other projects, um, I, I have a, a, a colleague, a friend of mine who is working with real world assets, RWAs. And what they're looking at is, fractionalizing the equity in residential homes. So let's say I own my house free and clear. So I've got a, a million pounds that I want to borrow against. Now, normally I go to a bank and the bank would wring their hands and maybe give me 50% of the value and say, Oh, well, I don't know if you can pay back and things like that. Hmm. What if you could um, fractionalize that, um, say, 49% of that, so 490,000 pounds, and you could sell off that. And each time you, you sold 
uh, an NFT, essentially, or a coin, it was recorded. So now you don't have a loan. I wouldn't have a loan to pay back, but the people who own 49% of my home would get the appreciation or depreciation for the home. I'd still have to pay the taxes, a council tax, or in the U.S., a property tax, and so on. Um, but I could take that money. I would suddenly have £490,000 in my bank account, and I could maybe invest in 200000 in a, a place in Abu Dhabi, 100000 in Mexico, and the rest in the uh, United States. So I could play uh, different markets. That That is something that is going to take off, I think, in the future. And I think that's going to materially affect the GDP of certain countries. Because if you're releasing capital, which the banks don't seem to be able to do at the moment, um, then all we're doing is making more capital come into the system without causing inflation because it's not being printed. You don't have to pay it back to anyone. Because it, it, I take your money in exchange, I give you a token. So it's not increasing the cash flow, but it's increasing the free cash flow. Okay, that makes sense. There's a lot of great examples. Thank you for that. And I'm also wondering, like, you know, what what is your opinion on the the current state of sort of the the technology? How has um, how easy is it to gain adoption? Do you think there's any sort of missing pieces we need or that we're still missing to, I guess, achieve mass adoption or just a bit more, uh, how do you say, to make it easier to adopt? I think that we need to get away from using the term blockchain. Um Blockchain, as I said, in and of itself, solves very little. Um, it's the applications that drive it. And we need to get the applications people in there to write the software um, and to develop the programs that can be used. And there's lots and lots of opportunities. And all you have to do is sit down and think about them and say, I could use this to do so-and-so. I could use a browser that goes out and connects to the blockchain uh, that does this for the user. And I can have a plugin that says, okay, this is your accounting system, a plugin that um, has this, plugin that does that. And you could make it harmonious and integrated like that. And there's lots of programmers out there that know how to plug into Oracle Suite, that know how to plug into other systems and remember we're on ours we're using um, saga python which is a slightly modified syntax on python so there's lots of things that can be done and i'm also looking at ai um, being used uh, with blockchain as well and the contra to that is um and I, i think you've seen this before is using blockchain technology to prove to provide the provenance of articles and things that are on the 
uh, internet so that the IP is not stolen by AI scraping large language models. And somehow how that works and how it's going to be put together and how it's going to be enforced Someone needs to sit down and look at that very, very carefully. And I think whoever solves that problem or is able to put a application that starts to solve that problem is going to make a lot of money. And do you have any other hopes and predictions for the future of the blockchain and your uh, projects as well? Yeah, I, I guess I do. Um, I think people will start to use apps coming to the market to make full use of uh, underlying blockchain capabilities without realizing that they're using blockchain technology. That That's my hope. Um, and developers, I hope, will realize that there's a, a load of money out there to be made in developing apps that can solve problems. It doesn't have to be the big picture problem. It can be a small part of a big picture because that's how it grows just like when uh, steve jobs came out on the stage 15 20 years ago and you know all of a sudden we've got ipods and then we went to iphones was there a, a iphone store with 50,000 applications no it had maybe four five hundred But what's happened since then, I don't know how many applications are on the Apple Store, but it's a lot. And that's exactly what we want to get to, is to have uh, lots of applications out there that people can drop onto a blockchain and know that it's going to work, because it, it's a very simple thing. It doesn't have to be rewritten every single time. And smart contracts, you have to rewrite them every time. Smart assets, the asset's always there. All you're doing is moving it from here to there. It's a lot, lot easier. So people who are willing to look at it and say, how can I deliver value? How can I solve this problem? They're going to make a lot of money. And predictions, I think it's going to happen very fast. I think it's in the next two to three years that it's suddenly going to take off. And I think a lot of the blockchains out there at the moment are going to be left behind because they're equivalent to me to Web 2. They're not really Web 3. Fair enough, yeah. Um, I think the, the the kind of application store idea is, is really interesting because um, didn't uh, I think it's OpenAI that recently announced the GPT store where they're going to have their own version of the App Store just for OpenAI um, applications. So, yeah. Seems to be a very popular business model going around. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we are running out of time. So um, I'd like to leave the last few minutes um, just for yourself to leave any last uh, words for our listeners. And also, you know, how can they, you know, find out a bit more about sort of, you know, what you get up to and maybe, you know, the progress of uh, the blockchain and, you know, how can people say if they want to start building apps on uh, Prosaga, how can they do that? First thing would be to go to our website, which is prasaga.com, and read a little bit about us. 
And there's links there. There's link trees that take you to our Telegram channel. Um, we've, we're virtually on every single piece of media that there is. Um, or contact me directly, swarrell at prasaga.com. And I will route your email and I will respond to every email. Um, come to me with your ideas. Come to me with your thoughts and tell me how you're solving what problem. And let's take it from there. Great. It's a perfect point to end on. And thank you so much for coming for, to do this episode with us. I really enjoyed it. And hopefully we can do an episode two with Press okay. sometime in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. And thank you, Anna. I've enjoyed today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.